Once again, we call you to Psalms number 34. This morning, our key verses, it was read for your entirety in our devotional praise and worship. We will look at our key verses this morning is verse 7 and verses 8. And it read, The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that feared him and delivered them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. We may use for a theme this morning, home court advantage. Home court advantage. You all may be seated. I don't care how bad a team is. I don't care how many games they have lost. But when they come to their home court, there is some energy there. there. There is some power there at the home court that gives the team a, a unction to play at their maximum potential. It's something about the home crowd when they are, are yelling for the home team. It's something about the fans that are there it's something about what the fans are saying and, and how comfortable the team feels. So I, I just caution you, don't ever take advantage of a team at home. Uh, because when a team is at home, they are going to get some power that they may not know they have just from that energy that being at home. And I want you to know so many people say, well, why do I need to go to church? Because, see, what you get in the midst of the saints, you get a home court advantage. I don't care what the devil throw at you. I don't care how bad things may get for you. When you at a home court advantage, I, I, I just thank the people that called me when my sister passed. I, I had a home court advantage. I, I had so many people that called me and say, Pastor, we're praying for you. Pastor, we're going to keep you lifted up. And, and when I had to go out, of I already had the home court advantage. I already had that gunction that comes from having a church home. I don't know what people would do without a church home. I, I can imagine those people that watch those TV preachers. I watch some of them myself, but I won't join the church, you know, unless I know that I got a church home. Are you with me this morning? I'm talking about having a home court advantage. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Because, see, my friend David had a home court advantage. In our lesson text this morning, we find David on the run. I don't know why Saul hated David so but I just want to pause right here to let you know, everybody's not going to like you. They're not going to like you because they just don't like you. I just want you to know that they're not going to, don't go around the world thinking everybody, they don't like you because they just don't like you. No reason. We live in a fallen world. But, but, but as David's moved through his life, Saul developed this hatred for David. And in our lesson text, before we go into Psalms 34, you need to understand the background. Uh, in order to get the background, you got to go to 1 Samuel chapter 21 and chapter 22 to read about what's going on here. Why David decided to, to write this psalm. 
and we see David goes to the priest Ahimelech. And David goes in there and David lies to him. David goes and tell him that the king had sent him on a mission and that his soldiers need some food. And Ahimelech say, well, we don't have any food here, David. This is the priest. He said, well, we got some holy bread. We got some shoe bread. So David said, well, give me a couple of loaves of that. But he said, your, your soldiers got to be pure in order to eat this bread. David said, give me that bread. And by the way, I need, I, I need a sword. So uh, Ahimelech said, the only sword we got is this one that, that, that Goliath had that you killed. Well, give me that one. So David takes this sword. And David leaves there. David is on the run for his life. But what happens to David when he's on his run? He goes to try to hide out with the Philistines. He goes there to the Philistines king, Ashhush. And he goes there, and this king tries to deal with David. But then all of a sudden, some of Ashur's men looked around and said, That's David. Saul killed a thousand. But David killed his 10,000, and they started singing that song, and David got afraid for his life. So David started acting like he was crazy. He started foaming at the mouth. He started scratching at the doors. And the king said, get him out of here, because that's a madman. So, so, so then David goes, and, 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 and then he hides. But then Saul, being so hatred, see, when folk hate you, they hurt you. You, you have to be careful when folk hate you. Uh, and, and then, see, see, Saul heard one of his henchmen, his top henchmen, Doric, told him that David had been talking with the priest. And the priest had paid, prayed for David, and the priest had given David some shoe bread. So then Saul sends for Ahimelech, and he said, listen, I heard you were talking to David. He said, no, I, I, I was talking to David, but you are. And then he went on and gave Saul a, a lecture about David was in his family and how he ought to be. But Saul said, told his men to kill the priests. Men said, no, we're not going to do it. But then you can always find somebody that's going to do some evil. So Dorch decided to kill Ahimelech for Saul. So he killed the priest. Not only did he kill Ahimelech, but he killed 85 priests all their families and children, and then he went further than that. He went to Nob, the city of the priests, killed all their family and all of their children. Now we find David, after all of this has happened, we find David hiding in a cave. And all of the people, the outcasts, all of the outcasts had heard about this, and they were running too. So everybody that was running found David. David ended up having about 400 outcast people in a cave. They decide to make David their captain. Now here David is running from Saul. Saul is going to kill him. But one thing about it, when you read 1 Samuel, every time that Saul got near David, he was delivered. We have to remember that. And also when David looks at all of these 400 people that had made them their captain, and then he, he knew that Saul, every corner he went around, Saul was lurching there to kill him. So David had to think a while. Every now and then when your enemies are on your back, you need to think about the goodness of God. So David had some time to, 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 to meditate. He thought about how when he was a shepherd boy, 
how he used to kill the lions and the tigers with his bare hands. He thought about when he was, grew up in Jesse's house, when Jesse didn't even think he was worthy of being a king, when, when he was anointed to be the king, and, and he thought about all of this good stuff that God had done for him. And then David decided to sit down. He had to keep these 400 people encouraged, even though he may not have been encouraged himself. So David was trying to encourage himself. So, so, so David to sit down and, and to write this psalm, and David wanted to tell him, he said in, in Psalm 34, this is a psalm that he wrote when he was in that cave with 400 people looking for him to lead them, and Saul looking to kill him, and David there trying to lead people. Oh, you know how it is when you're trying to lead your family. You may be having some trouble on your job. You may be having trouble in your marriage. You may be having trouble everywhere you go, and you're trying to lead your family, and you're trying to be the example. But, but, but now every now and then, when you're in those kind of situations, David penned this psalm just for you. David said in verse 34, he says, the first part of my outline the joy of the Lord, verses 1 through 3. And my second point is a cry for help, verses 4 through 5. The cry answered, verses 6 through 8. David sits down in that first verse, part of that joy to the Lord. He say, I will bless the Lord. Oh, I know Saul is looking for me. And I know these people want me to encourage them. But I just want you to know I got to get myself straight first. He said, I will bless the Lord no matter what I'm going against, no matter how bad things get, no matter how bad things look. He said, I will bless the Lord. Not only will I bless the Lord when I'm in the valley, I'm going to bless the Lord when I'm on the mountaintop. I will bless the Lord at all times. There will never be a time when your praises won't be in my mouth. When I'm walking out the doctor's office. Or when I'm at work and everybody looks like they're against me. When it looks like everything in the world is going bad for me. He say, I will bless the Lord. There will never be a time when the Lord's praises will not be in my mouth. He say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually that means over and over, every time I get in trouble, every time I think I'm in trouble, he say, I will bless the Lord at all times. Can you say that? Can you get pressed down? You see, depression is a bad part in our society today. But I guarantee you, if you bless the Lord at all times, depression would not be an alternative for you. I don't care what I'm going through. I don't care how dark it gets. I will bless the Lord at all times because I know joy is going to come in the morning. Weeping may last through the night, but I realize at 12.01 it's a new day and joy is going to come. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continue to be in my mouth when my enemies are talking about me. When my enemies are trying to come after me, oh, they're going to stumble and fall. But I just want you to know I'm not going to be concerned about them because I'm going to be blessing the Lord. He say, my soul shall boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He said, my soul, boasting is not a virtue. But, 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 but he said, I'm not going to boast on David. 
I'm not going to boast on James Shannon. I'm not going to boast on what I can do because my, my strength of my life is the joy of the Lord. He said the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when I boast, it's going to be about the goodness of God. It's going to be how God blessed me. It's going to be how God took care of me. David said, when I boast, it's going to be how the Lord took me and took care of me. Every time Saul with his mighty arm, it came upon me. The Lord led me in a way to escape. I'm going to boast in the Lord about even when Saul was in a cage and I had an opportunity to go and kill him myself. But I said, I would not touch the Lord's anointing. I just want you to know how the Lord has blessed David. And he'll bless you like that. He said, my soul shall boast in the Lord, and the humble thereof shall be proud. He said, when you approach the Lord in your humility, when you approach the Lord like David did, the Lord said he will be glad, and the Lord will bless you. And then he says, oh, magnify the Lord. He said, make the Lord larger than any problem that you may have. Magnify the Lord. Make him larger. Make the Lord bigger. All you know, when you look through that magnifying glass, some of us that can't see so good, you know, you make the word letters bigger. That's how we need to do the, oh, magnify the Lord. The problem with us, we make our problems bigger than us. But the battle is not yours, it's the Lord. No problem that you can have is ever going to be bigger than the Lord. He said, magnify the Lord. Make the Lord bigger than any situation and any problem that you can ever have. Magnify him. Oh, magnify him. Y'all know that song. Oh, magnify him. Make him larger. He say, magnify the Lord and, and exalt his name. Let's, and then David told him, say, listen, magnify the Lord. He told him people in that cage, he said, let's exalt the Lord's name together. He said, now, it's, it's every now and then it's good for me to praise the Lord. But every now and then, David said, we need to have some corporate worship here. He said, now, I'm going to magnify the Lord. But he said, Let, let's exhaust his name together. He told all those people who was outcasts, all those people that was running, all those people that didn't have anything, all those people that didn't have homes to go to, that was living in that cage. He said, let's exalt his name together. And he said, I sought the Lord. And he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. He said, you see, first I was foolish. When I wanted some protection, I went to the king of the Philistines for protection. But see, I was foolish. You know, sometimes we make some foolish mistakes, don't we? Sometimes we walk around with that, that, that mojo in our pocket, and sometimes we think we can increase our income by going to the riverboat. Yeah, am I right about it? Sometimes we can do some foolish things, can't we? Don't nobody get rich in a riverboat but the folks that own it. Buying a lottery ticket, standing in the line. We can do some things, you know. But, we, but, but David here is saying, I sought the Lord. And he heard me. I've never known anyone that went to seek the Lord and he didn't hear him. He said, I sought the Lord, but you have to cry out to him. He said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. Let me park right here because see, you need to understand some things. That God will deliver us from physical fear. And he will deliver us from fear itself, physical danger. But, 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 but social scientists are now saying that fear 
is more danger, dangerous than physical danger. See, you only see physical danger just for a little while. Sometimes when I'm out walking, I may see a dog going across the street, and I holler out for the owner to come get it, because it's going to last for a little while. But you see, fear that you have turned inward turns to anxiety. And that kind of fear can make you sick. That kind of fear can give you ulcers. That kind of fear can mess up your circulatory system. That kind of fear can get you in a cardiac award thing. That kind of fear can mess you up. But, 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 but you see, physical fear is not as bad as this fear that you have, that physical danger. But the fear that we house in our body and in our mind is so dangerous. But David said, I may have had physical fear of Saul coming. But he said, I may have had this fear in my mind. But he said, the Lord has delivered me. From all my fears. See, when the Lord delivered you from all your fears, you don't have to worry about all of that heart attack and you don't have to worry about all of them different things that'll mess you up and tie you up and keep you tangling up. You ought to turn all of that stuff over to the Lord and stop being so worried, walking around worrying about everything. I just stopped by this morning to let you know that worry and faith cannot be housed in the same man. I just want you to understand that this morning. You need to get away from being so fearful. You get to get away from being so afraid. You need to get away from things around you. Don't be afraid of the folks on your job. God will see you through. Joshua 1 and 8 said, don't be afraid of their faces, but God will see you through. He gave you that job, he'll give you another one. He gave you that heart, he'll give you another one. God is a mighty God. He's a healer. He's a way maker. That's why we need to praise him all the time. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And David is encouraging these folks that's in this cage. And then in that fifth verse, she says, they looked unto him and they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. He's talking about these 400 people that was in this cage with him. He said they looked to the Lord. And see, something about looking to the Lord. You know, when Moses came down from that mountain where he had received the Ten Commandments, they say he had a glow on him. It's something about me when I stay in meditation with the Lord. When I, when I spend time in prayer with the Lord, it's something happens to me. I come out of that meditation with the Lord with some kind of glow over me. I feel that I can do more than I, my body can do. I have that glow about me. I feel the power of the Lord is with me. I feel there's nothing that I can't conquer. There's nothing that I can't overcome. There's nothing that I can't deal with when you come out of that prayer and meditation with the Lord. These 400 men that was in this cave that had no weapons, that had no way to war up against Saul's army, they felt empowered because they had called on the Lord and the Lord had blessed them and the Lord had delivered them from all their fears. They had no more fear of Saul. They had no more fear of man. They had no more fear of anything. No matter of sickness, no matter of disease, when you turn this stuff over to the Lord. Say, I sought the Lord, and he heard me. And he lightened them. They, they, their face got light, turned into a glow. The poor man, the poor man is David. David is referring to himself as the poor man because he, he was running. He had no powerful friends. He had nobody he could go to with his trouble other than the Lord. But he said here, but, but he said here, the poor man cried and the Lord heard him. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how poor you are. Your blessing is just as close to your own knees. And then you heard, you saw our sign out there say, if you're hungry, we serve soul food here. 
You may not have read our sign, but read it on your way out. That's the kind of food we serve here. And we say we, we, we don't accept email, but we accept email. Oh, y'all remember that one, don't you? Oh, you ought to be there. Everywhere I go, people know us by the signs that we have out in the front. Now, I'm telling you, the Lord is just blessing us. Everything we do, the Lord touches it. He said, the poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. So this is what I want you to do. Don't look down on folk. Just because you got a couple of paychecks than they do. Don't look down on folk. Just because, you know, you got a car that's a couple of years newer than theirs. You live in a house that you are just one payment behind, getting behind. Don't look down on folk because you didn't have the credit score, but you got the house. Don't look down on folk because the Lord bless you. I'm telling you, the Lord bless you. I can't can't look down on anybody. When I think about the goodness of God, I've never had any money. Never. But the Lord paid my tuition through four universities. I never worried about any money when I was going to school. The Lord took care of it. I dare you to show up. And the Lord will show out. I'm boasting in the Lord. I'm not boasting about myself. I'm boasting in the Lord. I'm boasting in the goodness of God. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. See, the poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. And then in verse 7, he said, The angels of the Lord encamped around about him and feared him and delivered him. David was hiding in that cage with these 400 people. But you see the reason Saul couldn't get to him. Because see, when you go to God in prayer, he dispatches his angels and his angels camp around you. And the devil can't do you no harm when the Lord angels is encamped around about you. I told you a couple of years ago, I was driving to Memphis and we came into that, 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 that Lamar Road, that big intersection. And, and, and all of a sudden I was trying to go through the light, the light changed and everything happened and I stopped and two big old trucks went around me. You know, two big trucks hitting their brakes all while they went around me. But I just want you to know that the Lord was camped around me. The Lord had built a wall around my car and my family. The Lord was camped around me. He just allowed those trucks to squeak and go around me because the Lord was protecting me. The Lord was guiding me. The Lord was encouraging me. Are you out there? You don't understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the protection of the Lord. God will protect you. I told you, when I worked in fair housing, I would go over there and meet with that family every day, and they had it in the paper that this man, James Shannon, comes to meet with this family in Berwyn, but there's one man that stands by the car, and there's another man that go into the house. I went in the house, but I didn't know who the man was. They said in the paper that was standing by the car, they say he was standing out there with some kind of shiny suit on, they said, but all I know is when I got in the car and drove, they say it was two of them that was driving out of Berwyn. I got back, and my boss called me in the office and said, who's this other man you've been carrying with you? Uh, to Berwyn. I said, I ain't going, I'm going over there by myself. And when I read that article in the paper, I had to realize that the Lord was protecting me. That the Lord had stepped somebody out there to watch that car while I was in that house, while I was around all that hatred and all those people. I guarantee you 
He builds a camp around you. He dispatches his angels to be with you. You just didn't avoid that accident. I told you the other day, Saturday, other Saturday, I was leaving here going to Subway to get me a sandwich, and a man went down Butterfield Road at 135 miles an hour. If I had been 10 minutes earlier, he would have bammed into my car. But as I was going out to my car, the Lord told me to come back and get my newspaper. I came back and got my newspaper, and I got a telephone call while I was in here. So by the time I got out there, that man had gone down the street, hit a young lady, and killed her. But I just want you to know the Lord. Oh, you don't understand how good God is. You don't know what I'm talking about. And he said, the angel of the Lord encamped round about him, and they delivered them. And then he said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusts in the Lord. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, there, there's only four things that you can taste. There's sweet, there's sour, there's bitter, and there's salt. Those are the only tastes that there are in the world. That's the only taste that's out there. But see, sometimes people combine those tastes and they mix them up with different textures and they design some other things that you can smell or taste, but there's only four tastes. But you see, you can't, you can't judge something by how it looks or how it tastes. Y'all looking at me kind of funny. Let me just break this down to you. You see, peanut butter doesn't look as good as an apple pie. Am I right about it? But you see, you can smell and get the aroma from the apple pie. But you can't look at peanut butter and tell how good it tastes. Those of us like me who like peanut butter. But in order for you to know how good peanut butter tastes, you have to oh, taste and see. You have to taste and see the peanut butter. You have to let that gushy peanut butter and all the peanuts in it, if you got that crunchy can, you, you got to put it in your mouth so you can taste it and see has no smells. You just got to taste it. But I just stopped by to let you know you can't know how good God is by arguing about post-millennial or pre-millennial and all the kind of arguments that churches have. You can't know how good God is with an intellectual understanding about God. In order for you to know how good God is, you got to put him on. You got to try him on. Oh, you got to taste and see how good God is. You got to work with him. You got to try him. You got to go through some things like I was telling you about. You got to go through some things to know how good God is. Oh, taste and see. 